evening, good evening. Second Chronicles chapter 20 tonight. Second Chronicles chapter 20. One of my, uh, it's a, it's kind of a favorite chapter of mine. Uh, one of those hard ones because it's got a bunch of long names in it to read. But boy, what a practical chapter! And it's going to be a little more tonight devotional, and a little less uh, hardcore study. But, but uh, sometimes the devotionals will help you. You know, you can take those with you tomorrow. And uh, and use them in your life, and so, so Second uh, uh, Chronicles chapter twenty. Let me ask you this: while you're while you're flipping there, anybody ever had a problem? None of y'all. Do you want some of mine? I got plenty, and I'll give you some. And and if you've ever had a problem, you know, you, I mean, we had a situation that made you go. And there's a good word for you. Are you ready for a word? Ugh. Y'all got to say that with me. Y'all try it one time. Ready? You try it. One, two, three. Ah, uh, you need more G in it. Yeah, you got to have more G. The G is what resonates it. Ugh. And uh, that, 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 that's, uh, we all have that, I think, from time to time. Sometimes, uh, you know, do you ever wish there was some kind of instruction book for every problem that came in life where, boy, when I'm doing this, let me open up the, let me open up this book and just follow these three things and then that'll fix these problems and so forth and, uh, you know, and do this step, do this step, that'll, that'll resolve this problem, that'll slay this problem, whatever. And did you know there's kind of is? And that's the Word of God. And, uh, it's amazing what you can find sometimes even in a text where, you're just reading about battles and, you know, this army coming against this army. And, but, you know, if you look and see what the people did in the, in the, in the situation many times, we can learn how to, and we can apply to our lives how to, how to help us uh, when problems come. And, and so here in Second Chronicles chapter 20, I'm trying to figure out how I want to, how I get started here because I could read the whole chapter and it's a really long one. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll just read it as we go tonight. But let me just kind of give the overview. Of what's what's happening there is, is is you get you get here and you're gonna you're gonna find that Jehoshaphat is king now of Judah. And when you think about Judah, think about this: that that's the the twelve tribes of Israel is divided. You had the ten tribes up north. Judah's the southern two tribes. Somebody say amen on something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and and uh, so Jehoshaphat is now the king there of that. And and, and you know. Uh, that that tribe of Judah meant praise the Lord, and we're going to see how why that's so important here in just a moment. But uh, he, well, he made a few mistakes, and, and maybe some believe, some of the commentaries believe that these armies coming against him here were part of a uh, payment back for a mistake he made. I, I, I'm not sure if I, I believe that or not. I'm not sure, but I just know this. He and the nation of Judah are about to face a major crisis. They're about to have a major problem. And uh, and so it's from this problem that I think we can learn uh, uh, how to how to deal with problems when they come in our lives. And so three countries have band together. Can you imagine that? Three countries coming to bat together to come after these two little tribes of Judah down south, and and they're coming to invade, to take over, to take their possessions, and 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 I'm just telling you, their homes, everything's in trouble. Their homes, their families, their possessions, everything they have, their land, and and probably their lives if they dare try to fight against them because they're way outnumbered. Uh, how many would agree he's got a problem going on right here? <laughs> And he's the king, right? So as the king, you got to defend. You're 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 the leader, and you got to help defend your people. And and you you think about when major problems come. A problem comes, and guess what happens to us, right? 
It fills most people with fear. How many of you get fearful when you have problems? Gets it full of anxiety, distress, worry, all those all those words we say, sometimes hopelessness. And and it usually sends most of us, if we get real honest tonight, right? Most of us go to the place where we start to have a little pity party, you know, and oh my goodness, woe is me, these problems have come. But but what I want you to see in the account tonight's what Jehoshaphat did, how he reacted when this problem came. Because you know what it did? Instead of him having a little pity party and saying, woe is me, it actually sent him to a place. We're going to see. He praised his way out of this problem. And, uh, in fact, I almost called this message that, praising your way out of the problem. And and Because uh, he prayed and praised his way out. But I end up calling it a little different. But, but the truth I gave you there I want you to see is problems are never a match for praise. If you take that with you, yeah, that will help you right there problems are never a match for praise but as we look through what all happens here here's what we're going to see we're going to see how how jehoshaphat and judah react to to these three armies coming in to destroy them and the steps they take and because if we we look at these steps and we apply some of these steps and here's where we're going to be able to find out we can apply these to our life and our problem too and it'll help us prevail against a problem so i ended up making 12 points I really only had about eight, but then I was so close, I said, hey, if I can get to 12, everybody likes 12 steps to this, 12 steps to that, then we'll just do 12. And, uh, and so I made 12 out of it. But but let's look at the, what it is simply called here, God's 12 steps for prevailing over our problems. Let's read a few verses, and we'll just kind of read and go back and forth in a little devotional type thing. Second uh, Chronicles chapter number 20. If you're there, say amen. So I know you're there. All right, so let's read what's happening again. I've, I've given you the overview, but it says this in verse 1. It says, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, with, uh, with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude. Now let me define great multitude for you. That's a whole lot. All right, <laughs> it means a bunch. There, there comes a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria and beyond, and they in Hazamon, Tamar, uh, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. We'll get to what he did here in a minute. So, so uh, guess what's happening here? There's a problem coming, <laughs> a big problem coming. All these folks are, are are coming to attack them, and the first thing we're going to see is it, it sent Jehoshaphat to fear for a little bit, and he said, I, "We got to we got to react to something." Now, the fact that he he went to a place of fear means this: he realized there was a serious problem, right? And and then he realized the the, the reality of it and the seriousness of it. Now, I want you to think about this. This is where we start to start to mess up many times when problems come up in our lives. What do we usually do? Do we immediately admit, hey, this is a real problem, this is a serious problem that needs to be dealt with, or do we try to gloss over it many times? So many times in our lives we try to gloss, you know, gloss over the fact that there's a problem and don't admit it's serious. And uh, uh, But notice there was there was no... No, no rationalization of the problem. He just faced it square on, realized it was true, and uh, and he, and and we we need to do the same thing. So the problem was real; it was serious. Three countries are invading, as we as we saw, and it would have been a waste of time to downplay that. And uh, but he didn't. Jehoshaphat didn't. And the truth is, our biggest problem 
is when we get ourselves in a mess, it's not the problem itself as much as discerning enough to realize that we have a problem and then being honest enough to admit it. Many times, again, sometimes we don't realize we have one, but most of the time we do, and, and we just don't admit how serious it is. Can I tell you, when you're communing with God, when your fellowship with God is right, when you're walking in the Spirit, it's amazing how easy it is to discern when things are turning wrong, when, when there is a problem in your life. And uh, when you walk in the flesh, you'll miss it every time. So, so just get those. And then secondly, when we have the problem, I want you to see this. You, you only got to admit it. But once you have it, the second struggle is, 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 is simply that. Don't downplay it. Admit it, admit it, admit it. Here's what we think. I got it under control. How many of you think that many times? I got this under control. I got it. I can stop anytime I want. You ever heard that? I can't tell you how many folks I've worked with that have been addicted or are struggling with something, and they'll say that all the time. I can stop anytime I want. I don't have a problem, right? And you hear them say that. Uh, I have it under control. Or we'll say this. It's not a big deal, right? Men, we're terrible about that when it comes to health problems, right? Not a big deal. I don't need to go see a doctor. And, and so sometimes we, we're our own worst enemies. And we do that in life as well in other, when other problems come in our lives. We, we think we got it under control. And you, 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 we no big deal and all that. Listen, when problems come, step one, simple. Realize there's a problem, number one. And then admit the problem and the seriousness of it. Don't code it with some sick type of superficial slang. We like to do that, right? We're Christians after all. Oh, it'll be all right. God's in control, right? <laughs> Maybe God's the one sending it to you to wake you up to something. Uh, yeah, we'll laugh it off, right? Or we'll, we'll do the opposite. We'll have a pity party, one of the two. Just go ahead, state your problem, state it to God, tell him about it, spare no details. He already knows about it anyway, and then admit the reality of it, the seriousness of it. Then, then watch what he does next, because here's what we need to learn to do next. Not only admit it, not only you realize it and admit it, but then we got to take our problem to God in prayer. And notice how quick he does this, because he does it immediately. Look at verse 3 with me. The Bible says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to do what? To seek the Lord. It's a problem in my life. I've, I realize it, and I've admitted it. Now, what's my first move? Call all my Facebook friends. <laughs> Send a message. Pray for me, Facebook friend. That's, that's okay to get other people praying for you. But you know your first move should be? You pray. First move for you be you go to prayer. And so he seeks the Lord, the Bible says. And then he went further than that. He went and proclaimed a fast not only for him, but throughout all Judah, which would have included him. He said, this problem doesn't affect me, just me. This problem's going to affect my whole, the whole nation that I'm king over. And, and we need to fast. This is a serious problem. How many would agree it's a serious problem when you go, not just when you go to prayer, but now you're going to fast over it as well? Uh, and so he, he, he gets the seriousness of this. And the Bible says in verse 4, And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So all of them are coming to the Lord. So so notice what Jehoshaphat didn't do. He didn't turn to the Lord after he had tried everything else. How many of you are guilty about that? 
I tried everything I can in my own power. I've I've dealt. I've talked to everybody I can talk to, and I know the Bible says there's there's wisdom in a multitude of counselor. I, I get all that, but let me tell you, the the greatest counselor ever isn't a person in the sense of a human being. The greatest one ever is is the person of the Holy Spirit of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Take it to Him. Instead, the very first thing he did was, I mean, he he went straight to seek the Lord in prayer and in fasting, and and uh, we get we we would do well to learn to do that when problems come in our life and so the truth i gave you there prayer was not his last step it was his first step and if we get honest most of the time it's our last step when we when we've exasperated every other option well i guess i better take it to the lord <laughs> maybe we should have took it to the lord first he said what can you give us some application yeah how about your boss gives you a hard time at work right well, I can deal with it. How about take the Lord? Your children have done a few things you didn't want them to do. Why in the world are we just trying to deal with it ourselves? Why don't we just take it to the Lord? Have a fuss or a fight in a relationship? Take it to the Lord right away. Got some issues in church? Take it to the Lord right away. Take Have an issue with a brother or sister? Take it to the Lord. Why do we wait till the last minute before we ever take it to the Lord? Don't exhaust every other option first. Your first option should be go to the Lord. I gave you a truth there that I've given you many, many times, but it's a truth that I want you to really get in your heart. Prayerlessness about a problem, here's what it is. It is a spirit of independence against God. Prayerlessness is a spirit of independence. When you say, I can handle it, I got it, and I'm not going to take it to the Lord, when I say I can handle it and I got it and I can, I, I don't take it to the Lord, here's what we're saying. Lord, I don't need you on this. I'm, I, I got it. And God wants us dependent on Him, not independent from Him. And so can I just encourage you to listen. Do what He did. Take it to the Lord first thing. Anytime you feel like you can handle a problem without God, it's the same as saying, God, I don't need you. You said, I'd never say that. You don't have to, right? You have said it through your actions. and uh, uh, But God says, bring it to me. He says, bring everything to me, by the way. Philippians 4, 6, he still says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God, the Word of God says. And, and then he says, And the peace of God which pass all understanding shall keep your hearts and your what? Minds. So important, both of them through Christ Jesus. And so how about uh, Jesus said in Matthew six thirty seven, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto, unto you, he says. So Jehoshaphat got those principles. He's, he went to God immediately with the major problem that was in his life. These, these countries were coming, three different ones, to gang up on the country he was king over. He realized that immediately how bad it was. He admitted the problem, and his first step, not his last step, not the middle step, but his first step was went to God in prayer immediately. Well, how many of you agree if we just did those first two steps, we'd probably win most of we'd whoop most of our battles right there, just those first two. And and but but notice what he does next because uh, I, I found this pretty cool too. He not only he not only admitted it and realized his problem, and he not only uh, took his problem to God immediately in prayer, but notice as we read verse five through seven here, he he reminded himself about how powerful God was. And then he rehearsed and re reminded about the victory that God had provided in his life and in the nation of Judah's life in the past. 
And so let's read about that when problems had come before. Verse 5, the Bible says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? He got all that right, didn't he? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it, gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein, for thy name's saying. And so he he just goes and appeals straight to God. He reminds God. By the way, he's really not reminding God. God didn't forget who he was, right? Who's he reminding when he rehearses this? Himself. And the nation that he's speaking, and the folks he's speaking in front of, and and so he he's standing up, and he's reminding them, listen, God, there's no one like you, God, you're greater than all, and God, nobody's more powerful than you. Now, see, we understand all this intellectually, right? You say, why would I need to remind myself of that? Why would I need to do something like that? Because you know, so many times we understand this intellectually, but knowing it more than intellectually, more important than that is is knowing it here, right? We can know it in our head. But if I know it in my head and that's all the only place I know it, does that do I get a lot of help out of that? When I really believe it, I'll know it here too. And sometimes you got to rehearse that. You know, there's another section of scripture where David, uh, I think it's Psalm 42 or Psalm 45. I can't remember which it is right now, but but David talks to himself. He actually kind of preaches to himself. He's all down and discouraged, and and next thing you know, he turns around and reminds himself how good God is, and next and he comes out of his funk, and and so that's kind of what Jehoshaphat's doing. He's he's saying, let me just remind God, but 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 really remind myself that 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 look, listen, there's nothing too hard for God. How many would like say if I just repeated that verse? You know, the Bible says there's nothing too hard for the Lord, right? How about if you just repeated that and reminded yourself during your problem, there's nothing too hard for thee. How about if you reminded yourself and repeated, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? See, see, just go remind yourself of the truths of the word of God, and that's what he's doing, how powerful God is. And while we may know God is powerful, we may know that nothing can stand against him. We, we may know that in our head, but we need to be reminded of it not only in our head, but also, like I said, in our heart and so again he wasn't reminding God how great and powerful he was he was really reminding himself and and there's nothing that God cannot do look at verse 7 uh, then he also goes on and does this he says he reminds them of what God's done in the past he says are not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of the land before thy people Israel and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever and so he reminded how God had done victory in the past he reminded how god had delivered the, the land the promised land he had driven out the folks that were in in that land that they had, that god had promised to israel and and he had taken and and just they they took that land with with god just uh, leading the way and god gave it to them how many of you have been through something before and you can look back on it and you can see how god delivered you how god took you through that how God gave you victory in that. So, here's the deal. The next problem that comes, is he still the same God? He doesn't change, right? So why don't we remind ourselves, last time I thought I was at an impossible situation where there was no way I was going to come out of this. God brought me, not only through it, but 
delivered me from it. And I'm living here in victory on this side of it. And if he could do it then, guess what? He doesn't change. He can do it now. And that's what Jehoshaphat's basically doing here. He's remembering that. And so the truth I gave you there is when you encounter a problem, it's helpful to look back kind of over your shoulder, if you would, and see what God's done in the past. Remind yourself of that. He didn't abandon, you know, he, he, when he called his name, he didn't say I was. He said I am. That means he is right now. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. I am the Lord. I change not, he says in scriptures. And so he's able to bring something good out of every circumstance of life. How about Romans 8, 28? How many of you know that verse? And we know that all things work together, the Bible says, for good to, the, to, to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. So remind yourself how powerful God is, how, how his victories delivered you from everything in the past, the ones you thought you'd never get over before. Remember those? You remember what? You see, we, we look back and say, oh, that, was, that wasn't even a big problem now. At the time, it was the end of the world. Now you look back because you've grown because you've seen God deliver and you've seen God provide and you've seen him provide the victory you look back and say that wasn't even a big prayer at the time it was the end of your world and if he can deliver it then when it's into your world he can deliver it now at the new problem that you think is the end of your world uh, everybody with me? if you're with me just say amen make sure we're, we're together tonight alright so remind yourself how powerful God is and the victories of the look at the, look at the next step he does and I simply called this one, hey, then go claim God's promises. Look what he says in verse 7. The Bible says, he says, Art thou not God who didst drive out the inhabitants of the land before the, thy people Israel and gave us to the seed of Abraham for uh, thy friend forever? And, and they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for, for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, and we stand before this house and in thy presence... For thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction. Then thou wilt hear us and help us. And now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Uh, the Bible goes on to say, Behold, I say how they reward us to come cast us out of thy possession which I was given us to inherit. And so King Jehoshaphat here, here's all he's doing. He's, he's pouring out before the Lord. He's telling the enemies trying to come and take away the stuff you've given us, the blessings you're giving us. And, and, and then he's reminding God, listen, you promised us this land. God, you promised us victory. You promised that you'd never leave us nor forsake us. Now, now, Lord, we're, we're just going to stand here. We're just, we're just going to stand on your promises. And that's what he's doing. He's claiming the promises of God. And let me just tell you truth here. The truth I gave you, I think, in the book was simply this. You're not going to embarrass God by standing on his promises. You know, sometimes I might get embarrassed by that. Have you ever made a promise? I've made some promises to my kids that I couldn't keep. Tonight, we're going to go do this. And the next thing I know, we got three outages, and I don't get home till close to midnight. And we didn't go do those things. I told them we were going to do. You, know, you ever done that? Listen, when God makes a promise, He will keep it. That's the difference. And, and so, so He's fine with you claiming it. He's fine with you saying, reminding Him, God, you said that you'll never leave me or forsake me. God, you said that 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 I'm an overcomer through Christ Jesus. You said if I walk in the Spirit, I shall not fulfill the lust of life. Whatever promise you need to claim, you just go claim it and, and watch God and do that very thing. That's what He's doing here. He's claiming God's promises. And uh, so, when trouble comes, just copy what He did. 
Look back in your past, see how God's brought you thus far, and then go find a promise in the Word of God that you can stand on. Uh, let me give you a couple. John 10.10, 10, you know, the Bible says this, The thief cometh not, but, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said this, He said, I am come that they might have life, and they may have it, what? More abundantly. Amen. That's a great promise to claim, isn't it? How about John 16, verse 20? Your sorrows shall be turned into, anybody know the next word? Joy. That's a promise. Your sorrow may be turned into what? Joy. Go claim some of these things. How about John 15, verse 11? These things I've spoken to you that you might, that my joy, Jesus said, might remain in you that your, and that your joy might be full, he said. How about Hebrews 13, 5? Uh, I've already quoted it a couple times. But he said, but I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. How about Matthew eleven twenty eight? Come unto me, he said, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't say, I might give you rest. He said, I will. Just come unto me. Listen, when we just claim the promises of God and, and we believe those, and it'll help us through the situation. So think about what he's done so far. Listen, he admitted the reality and the seriousness of the problem. He, he took it immediately to God in prayer. Uh, he reminded himself uh, how powerful God was, how God had delivered him every time in the past, and now he's claimed God's promises. And, and next, look what he does next. He humbles himself. He humbles himself. And more importantly than just humbling himself, he, I, I wrote it this way, he ceases all trust of the flesh. Look at verse 12. He says this, O God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might. No, did you see what he just did? Boy, he's humbled himself. We have no might. There's nothing we can do about this, Lord. For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes... Upon thee, he said. He said, Lord, they're greater than us. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not, we're not strong enough. Boy, that's, that's just getting to a place of humility, isn't it? That's getting to a place where I don't trust in anything I can do to deliver me from this problem. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing anybody in our nation, in the nation of Judah, can do. There, there's no one. There's, we're completely now dependent upon you. I mean, this is so vital of a step, I, I don't think I could really overstate it if we get honest. So often our flesh prevents us from getting here, doesn't it? So often we, we're just figuring out what we can do, figuring out our game plan. Uh, uh, if you're if you're an A-type personality, if you've ever studied the personality types, or if you're a leader type, and that, that's what you're geared to do. We've got to... Gotta, we got to figure it out. We've got to have a plan. Got you know what? Sometimes the best thing you can say is, "I got no plan. I got no ability. God, you got to take this." And uh, some of the problems are just going to overwhelm us. And and that's where he's gotten to. He, boy, what a good place to get to. Because listen, when when uh, when you get to the place where Jesus is the only answer, guess what? That's the best answer. And he's going to deliver. So listen to his words again. He's here. He says, "We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither we know what to do." What a confession, really, of impotence. What a confession of inability, he's saying. He didn't strut around with some cocky attitude. Well, you know, uh, I'm a child of God and so forth. He said, I don't have the strength, I don't have the resources, and I don't have the knowledge to overcome this. But thank God I know the one who does. <laughs> what humility, if you think about that. You know, we've been taught by the world the exact opposite, haven't we? been taught by the world to never admit weakness. Yeah, you you play sports, and that's one of the things. Don't you ever admit weakness? 
Now, don't you ever, boy, I'm, we're taught that in work, we're taught that, especially as men. We're, don't you ever admit, hey, don't you ever, can I tell you, God says, you just keep on your own strength and watch how bad your problems get. You admit some, you get some humility in your life and you admit some weakness and realize you can't do it. Uh, and I tell you, then I'll take over, then that's where you want to be. Because I want to tell you, that the idea of never admitting weakness, that is a bunch of worldly hogwash is what that is. And uh, we need to be willing as believers to humble ourselves and say, I can't, but God can. Completely trust in Him instead of trusting in our flesh. The, the truth I gave you there was humility is ultimately a death blow to the flesh. Do you know the flesh don't like humility, does it? The flesh is prideful, isn't it? The flesh is all about me. And, but I'm telling you what, humility, it, it'll put that flesh to death. It's denial of self is what it is. Denial of self-trust, denial of uh, and, and of being independent from God, all these all those things go together. So each of us should really memorize these words, is the way I think of it. That Jehoshaphat said, he said, "We have no might, neither know we what to do." That'd be a good thing just to quote every day, wouldn't it? Get up, Lord, <laughs> Lord, I got a new day coming, and and I still got yesterday's problems to deal with, but I know it's a new day, and I'm gonna have some new problems. But you know what, Lord, I have no might, and I don't know what to do. So I'm reporting in for duty, relying on your strength. And I'm asking you, you told me, if I ask for wisdom, you give it to me liberally. And uh, and so, so Lord, I, I'm, I'm asking you to do that very thing. That's humbling yourself, and that's ceasing all trust from the flesh. What a great step to overcoming problems. That's, that's what he did here. He claimed God's promise. He humbled himself and ceased to trust in his flesh. But look on with me in verse 12 again, what he continued to do to do i just wrote it this way i couldn't figure out how to write it so i wrote a really long statement there but he concentrated on he continued with and he weighed it on the lord that last one always gets us we'll get to that in a minute but look at verse 12 he said this for uh, again our god will thou not judge them for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us neither know we what to do but our eyes are upon thee and all judah stood before the lord y'all catch that with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, that means he's a priest, right, of the sons of Aspha, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And so... So here we are, and and he back to back to verse thirteen again. All Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children. The Bible says, you know, it's important for us to cease all trust in the flesh, and that's kind of where it is. He said, "But my eyes are upon thee and thee only." Back in verse twelve, so they had they had discounted all sorts of hopes, singled out God. You're our only hope. And they were just continuing, standing there, waiting for the Lord. The truth I gave you was continuing waiting is often a necessary part of the process to bring us to victory. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Psalm 46, verse, verse 10, starts this way. Be still and know I'm God. You know, sometimes that's the best thing we can do. Get to the end of ourselves. Say, I can't, but God, you can. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust in you, and I'm just going to be still. Until you give me a direction, I'm just going to be still. And I'm going to put it all in your hands. 
concentrating, continuing, waiting for God. Listen, what a great time. Have you ever been there? Sometimes it's some of the greatest times in life. We don't like that because we want answers. We, we live in a fast food society, right? We can go right down here and in two minutes have a hot hamburger and french fries and and they don't serve diet mountain dew so they, they don't get my business but but uh, but have a drink or whatever you can yeah, i mean we can do it right now i mean everything we go we got we got microwaves everything's about fast 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 i don't want to wait for nothing if somebody in front of us i mean that thing turn that light turns green we give them 1.2 seconds for all over our horn what's wrong with you what's it's been green forever yeah that's the way we live our lives yeah god says you know sometimes the most godly thing you can do is just be still and know I'm God. And sometimes in the midst of our problems, after we've admitted it, after we've realized it and admitted it, after we've come to God in prayer and we've ceased to trust in the flesh and we've humbled ourselves and we've claimed His promises, listen, sometimes the best thing we can do is, all right now, it's all on you, God. I'm just awaiting. Because you're going to deliver me. I, I know you are. You promised you would. So I'm just giving it to you and now I'm going to wait. I don't need to answer today. I'm just going to wait for you to give the answer. And so uh, so here's a question I wrote. How long are we to continue and wait before God? That's always a question, right? Let's get honest. Sometimes we do this for a little bit. All right, God, I'm just going to trust in the Lord. He's going to give me the answer. He's going to give me the answer. How long should we do it? Some of the times we give him a day, right? All right, you had a day, Lord. I'm taking back over, right? <laughs> well, here's the answer until he answers until he moves otherwise you've really not been stilled and wait on the lord and so we're too guilty about trying to go back into self-reliance mode uh, light our own fires manipulate our own situations those type things and usually in doing so here's what we normally do we make the original problem worse can i get an amen on that <laughs> when we try to take over we're the ones that got us in the mess in the first place how about we just get out of it and let god fix it and uh, so many times so continue before god wait on him to answer so the truth I gave you there, concentrating on, continuing before and waiting on God. Sometimes we feel like we're wasting time when we're waiting. Can I tell you, it is never wasted time to wait on the Lord. Sometimes those are the biggest times of growth in your life. Some of the biggest times of growth in my life have been when I had no idea how to handle a situation. I had no answers. And I just took it to God, ceased to trust in the flesh or any knowledge or wisdom I thought I had, and I just said, God, you got to do it because I can't. And I just sat there and meditated and waited on God give me an answer. Um, yeah, boy, it'll grow you. It'll grow your trust and your faith in him as well. But look at what he goes on because he's not done yet. <laughs> look what he does next. Next thing I see that he did, he did this. He listened when the Lord spoke. Now, let me just say this. What good does it do us to wait on the Lord, waiting for an answer for the Lord, then He gives us an answer and we don't obey and listen? All right? How many of you have been guilty about that? He did give you the answer, but you still don't listen because it wasn't the answer you wanted or whatever. And then He gives us some instruction and we don't obey. Hey, Jehoshaphat got this right. He listened when the Lord gave him His answer after he waited and concentrated with the Lord. Listen, then He listened and He obeyed. Look at verse 14. The Bible says this, then... Again, upon Jazil, there's all those names again. Anyway, we'll just get on down to the bottom. <laughs> His son, the, the Levite, uh, the Spirit of God came uh, upon uh, the Levite, the son of all those guys. And here's what happens. That, it was kind of like in our day. Of course, we know the Holy Spirit dwells us, right? In the Old Testament, he would come on you. 
for a purpose, and then, then he would depart. Thank God he doesn't depart from us, right? We've got the source of all wisdom living inside of us every single day. But, but the Lord came, and he spoke through one of the, the priests there, through one of the Levites, and, and, uh, and here's what they did. They listened to what he says, because look at verse 15. And he said, Hearken, here's his instruction, Hearken ye all of Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. So here's a guy that, just simply put it this way, he's got a word from the Lord, right? Uh, the Lord's told him, here, tell him this. Tell him to listen up. Thus saith the Lord unto you. It wasn't his words, it was the Lord speaking through him. He says this, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. Can I say that about three more times? The battle is not yours. It never is, right? But God's. The New Testament says the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord. The battle is the Lord's, right? Uh, how about, continue on reading with me. Verse 16, the Bible says, Tomorrow, here's instructions, go you down against them. Behold, they come up from the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness adjural. And ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Boy, they must have been full of fear. He keeps saying that, doesn't he? Uh, Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be what? With you, he promised. And so, so the Lord spoke. And because they were focused, because they're waiting on the Lord, concentrating on the Lord, guess what? They heard what he had to say. They, they weren't busy trying to solve it on their own. They were waiting for the Lord's answer. They heard what he had to say. And the Lord gives them the answer and tells them exactly what, they're, what they need to do. And he tells them exactly where the enemy's going to be. Only God could do that. He's the only one who knows everything before it even happens, right? And then look how specific the Lord's answer is uh, with his answer. Uh, he tells them exactly where they're going to be. And then he tells them, listen, don't you fight. All you need to do is you just go down there and you just watch what I do. You go watch me handle this problem is kind of what he's doing. And, uh, and so the truth is simply this. I, I, went to, I gave you a truth here. When the Lord gives you an answer, you'll know it, right? So many times I get asked that one, and, and, uh, and, and I, I can't quantify it. I don't have human terms for it. But a lot of times, so how do you know how to handle this? How do you know when the Lord's speaking? Well, if you're, if you're in tune with the Lord, if you're walking with the Lord, you'll just know it. There won't be an audible voice. He won't say, this is the God of Jacob, Abraham, and, and I'm speaking to you now, Mike. No. But you'll know it's the Lord when you're walking with him. And you'll know the answer. And they knew this was of the Lord, and, and obviously, because they're going to go follow the instructions and obey it. Otherwise, they're, they're setting themselves up to be dead meat. They're getting ready to walk down where three, three of these nations are coming together to, to invade them. They're getting ready to go down there unarmed, not ready to fight whatsoever, and say, All right, Lord, you said you're going to do something. We're here to watch. Just like you said. That's suicide, right? But they're going and doing it because they were in tune. And they knew that was from God. And they, they we're seeing their faith exercise too, if you really think about it. And again, it tells them here in verse 17, Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord is with thee. So listen when the Lord speaks. Receive and then obey his instructions. And Because that's what they did. They're going to do that very thing. And then do this. I love this in verse 8. This is, this is one of my favorite things of the whole passage, to be honest with you. Uh, look what they do next. Immediately... They praised God 
before they were even delivered. They praised God before God had even provided the victory. We'd be good to put this principle into play, wouldn't we? How about when you have a prayer request? God, would you? Could you? Right? Nothing wrong with asking, that's for sure. But how about after we ask, we go ahead and thank Him for the answer before we even get the answer? That's, a, that's faith. That's, that's, that's really stepping out. Look what, what happens. Let's read it. Verse 18, the Bible says this, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. They just heard what's going to happen. The Lord's going to be with you. The Lord's going to, don't be dismayed. Fear not. Tomorrow go down there, and I'm going to take care of it. You just go watch. You go to this place, into the brook, just watch what happens. And, and so here's what he did. He didn't question God. He didn't say, how's that going to happen? Here's what he did. The Bible says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping, the Bible says, the Lord. By the way, note, when you're worshiping the Lord, what are you always doing? Falling on your face before him true worship and the bible says in verse 19 and the levites of the children of the uh kohath kohathites there you go and all the children of the korhites stood stood up to do what praise the lord god of israel with a loud voice on high Uh, i don't want to get lost in this because i've taught the difference between praise and worship before but notice the difference here worship is bow down all right Humble yourself before the Lord. Worship is being in all of who He is. Praise is, notice what they're doing, standing up, <laughs> shouting it out, thanking God for who He is. Worship is reverencing Him for who He is. Praise is thanking Him for who He is. See the difference? We sometimes just use the two words interchangeably, and they're really two different things because there's two different words there. Here they're doing both. They're, they're worshiping the Lord, bowing in humbleness. Then, there's, then, they're, then they're going to go and just praise the Lord right after that. And the truth I gave you there, the man who kneels before God can stand before any problem. What a, what a great thought that was. That's not mine. I don't remember who it was, so I didn't give him credit. But, uh, but look at verse 19. Then they praise the Lord. And again, notice how they're praising him. They stood, they praised him, they got loud, they had a loud voice. They probably said amen louder than amen. <laughs> they said, Lord, amen, yes, we're, we're going to be victorious. They shouted, they sang, I believe, probably as well. And they knew God was ready to move on their behalf in victory. And, and, uh, and by the way, many times, many times, the reason we don't see him move is we don't praise him in the first place. Uh, the truth I gave you there is too often we secure our own defeat by our lack of praise. Uh, well, they, they, they believed wholeheartedly. They went ahead worshiping for who he was, and now they're praising him for what he's about to do before, notice, before he ever did it. All they have right now is his word that he's going to do it. Uh, but they're already praising him as if he already did, done it. Uh, so the truth there, prayer infuses with us the energy of God, but it confuses the enemies of God. We'll see that here in just a moment. And so, verse 20, obviously they believed God. Uh, the Bible says, And they rose up early in the morning and went forth to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe his prophets. So you shall 
prosper. And so they believed. And by the way, the Bible still says all things are possible for those who what? Believe. And so, so belief, boy, it's, it's kicking right in here. And then look what goes on. He, he went ahead and he's getting ready to go down to where they're going to meet for a battle. Get, keep this in mind. Don't, don't forget the context, what's happening here. Three armies are coming in. They're not going down there armed to the gill and rolling in there with tanks. They're, they're, they're going down there. Look at their, I want you to see what their army is. Here's his army. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army. And to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. You said, what were they singing? There it was. Praise the Lord for his mercy shall endure forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were, I like that word. Y'all like that word? They were slayed or smitten. How about that? They were smitten. That's a good word. Smacked right upside the heads, what that means. And, uh, and, and, and their butt was whooped. How about that? Uh, that's exactly what happened. So here's what he did. He went down with an army, unarmed, and said, we're just going to go down there and we're going to praise and we're going to sing. They're coming to kill us. Three armies from three different areas. Three against one. We couldn't have beat them anyway even if we were armed. We're trusting God. He said to go here and do this. And we're just going to go down there and we're just going to sing praises to God. That's belief. That's faith in it. And uh, and that's what he's going to do. And that's what they're doing. And what a powerful thing. So they listened to the Lord when he speak. They received and obeyed his instruction. Then they praised him for the answer and his provision in, in, in advance. And and then now they're getting ready to just completely receive the victory from the Lord. Look at verse 22. Now that they've done all this obedience. Verse number 22, uh, the Bible says this, And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, uh, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, uh, Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah uh, came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked upon the multitude, and behold, they were, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none, you know what none means? It means none. <laughs> none escaped. He said, what just happened? Here's what just happened. Their enemies all took each other out. Only God could do that. <laughs> they all, here, here's what they did. They went down, ate popcorn, sang praises unto the Lord, just watched them all destroy each other, never fired a shot. Only bullets they ever fired was a bunch of praise bullets and sings to, uh, praise to the Lord. Uh, just watched, just, just, just went down, saw the show, I guess, for lack of a better, better way. And they received the victory from the Lord. And again, the only shot fired was, that bullet of praise is kind of the way I wrote it there. And so so they received the victory. So think about the steps here. Listen, I mean, just working through these problems and all the steps we've taken. Now they've received the victory because of all the other ones they did. Now, I notice next, this is where I had to start adding in. I had to get to 12. But anyway, uh, they also enjoyed God's victory provisions. You know, this is something we're guilty of. I think the Lord had me add this for a reason. We're guilty of coming out the other side of our battle, our problem. 
and then forgetting to praise and enjoy Him and enjoy that victory. Sometimes we'll say, you know, God help me through this. But do we really enjoy the, the spoils of knowing, boy, we got a God that cares for us and loves us and brought us right through it all. Uh, look what happens in verse 25. In fact, their spoils were pretty great. The Bible says, and when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, you say, what, what, what does he mean by spoil when you read that? It, it just means this, the, the winner of the battles of the armies took all the goods, all the money, all the stuff with them. All right? If you had stuff on you, if you come and kill me right now, you're going to get 50, 66 cent. That's, that's what you win. <laughs> but you would take that. You'd take anything of value that was left on them. And that's what, when you read in the, the Bible about the spoils, that's the idea. They, they took anything of value afterwards because they were the victor. They get it all. And so, so in verse 25, that's what's happening here. And when Jehoshaphat, now were they even the victor? No, really God was, right? They're just a bystander for obeying God and victor, victorious because of that. But And when Joseph had and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. <laughs> and they were three days in gathering, all, uh, gathering of the spoil. It was so much. Listen, they, they, they handled the problem God's way. God not only delivered them the victory, but he gave them the spools of victory. In fact, the spools of victory were so great, the Bible says, it took them three days to carry it all out there. They didn't do anything but trust God and handle problems his way. Do you see some lessons we can apply? Quit handling our way, start handling God's way, and... and uh, and we can enjoy God's provisions. And so the truth I gave there is when we attack problems God's way, we will enjoy His provisions of victory. Not only did the confusion come and uh, against the enemies and they all took out each other, but boy, he gave, them, he gave them all the spools of victory as well. And praise does more than enable us to survive. It enables us to thrive. And so uh, the plunder, again, so great, three days to take all that stuff out. God had turned what it might have been Really, the nation of Judah's saddest day into a celebration of victory with all kinds of spoil. And then, then step 11, I really had to throw this one in. This was just, get, just to get me there. But notice what they did next. And we could read all this, but here's this the way I summarize it was simply this. They praised God some more. <laughs> they praised God some more. Uh, read with me, verse 26. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of, of Baraka and were for... They were blessed, for there they were blessed of the Lord. Therefore the name of the same place was called the Valley of Baraka unto this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with, with what? Joy. For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was uh, on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. Who got credit for the victory here? The Lord is. Everybody knew it was the Lord. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest uh, round about. And so they, they... the fourth day comes, they, they, after three days of collecting all the spools, remember it took them three days to get all that, they gathered together in the Valley of Barak, and it's interesting, you look up that word, guess what that means? That means the, the Valley of Blessing. 
the Blessing Valley. Uh, and what a great place to go. There, what they do, they bless, they, they praise the Lord even more. And, and then they all return to Jerusalem and they, they head back to the temple with harps and lutes and trumpets and they're just shouting and praising God all the way back is what they're doing. Then you get to verse 30. Here's what I wrote for the kind of the final step. It's simply this, enjoy God's peace and rest. Look what it says. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. Now just now they just had three armies coming against them. That's a pretty big problem. How many realize when problems come, life is anything but quiet, right? Uh, in your head and in your mind and in your heart. and the, the, It's anything but quiet. But now look what the Bible says. It's completely quiet. And then it says this, for his God gave him, what's that key word? Rest. Round about. His God gave him rest. And so the Lord gave Jehoshaphat and the kingdom, the, the whole realm of Judah, if you would, peace, and he gave him rest after the Lord had provided the victory in the first place. What did they need to rest from? He'd done all the work, right? <laughs> But that's how good our God is. He does. He wins the battle. He he defeats the enemy. He he brings you through the problem, and then he lets you have rest when you didn't do anything in the first place to get through it. That's how good our God is. And uh, and so I think about Philippians chapter four and verse number nine. Right after he said, "Finally, brother," in verse eight, he said, "Finally, brother, whatsoever things are are, are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, uh, if there be any praise, think on these things, and so forth." It says. Then he said, "These things or those things, which you have both learned and what received." So you can know it, but not believe it. So I learned it, but when I receive it, it goes from here to here. Does that make sense? Uh, here's He said, what are you trying to talk about? I'm talking about some of these principles of dealing with problems. I can learn it here, and it ain't going to do me any good when I go into the next problem, and I still try to handle it in my flesh. But when I receive it and believe it and follow God's prescription, guess what happens? He says, those things which you both learned and received and heard and then seen in me, my favorite word in all the Bible, the next one, one of them anyway, other than but. I like but a lot. <laughs> Is what? Do, right? That's where the rubber meets the road. Doesn't do you any good to talk about it if you're not going to do it. So, doesn't do you a whole lot of good to supposedly believe it if you don't do it. He said do. But then, then look at the promise. And the God of peace shall be with you, he says. Joy, God's peace and rest. So, what have we learned and received? Well, when problems come, what a great... 12 steps or whatever what a great prescription for dealing with problems think about it. praising your way right through it admitting to the reality and seriousness of the problem taking the problem to God in prayer first first right away immediately remind yourself then how great, how great God is how powerful he is how he's delivered you of every problem in the past so why would this one be any different well that give you confidence go claim some promises from the word of God and claim them in your life during that time when those problems come Humble yourself. Get rid of trusting in yourself at all. Just get rid of the flesh and the, and the trust in the flesh. Cease to trust in it at all. Then concentrate. Continue with the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Listen. Be ready when He does speak and give you the answer. Then when He does, receive it. That means hear to hear, right? Obey it. That's that do we just talked about. And then go ahead and praise Him. 
before he even gives you the answer because you know he's going to you know you're going to be victorious because he's going to provide it receive that victory enjoy the the provisions of victory praise him a little bit more anyway and then enjoy the peace and rest that comes from knowing that you got a god in heaven that promised you that his peace shall be with you the peace that passes all understandings even when you face that problem that you said i could never handle the greatest place you could ever get is when you have a problem and you realize I can't handle it. But you don't forget, I got a God in heaven who can. And I'm going to give it to him. And I'm going to wait on him. And I'm going to listen. And I'm going to obey him. I'm going to trust in him, not in my wisdom, not in my answers, but in his answers. You'll know when he speaks and when he does. Obey, receive it. Start praising him for the answer. Watch him deliver you uh, from it and give you victory. And then enjoy the peace knowing that you've got a God that does all that for you. That's how we can deal with problems. Father, we thank you for our time together in the Word of God tonight, Lord. Thank you for just a powerful chapter, Lord, of the power of praise and trust and belief and humbleness and getting rid of self and relying completely on God. These these men were going to, this nation was going to be completely overwhelmed by three different nations. Not a thing in the world they could have done but they knew the God in heaven that could deliver them, and they trusted in thee. They waited on you. They received your answer. They obeyed. They, they praised you. They, they did all the things. Lord, what a wonderful prescription for us to apply to problems in our life. Help us tonight not just to learn it. Help us tonight to receive it. And help us tonight to start doing it when those problems come in our lives. Lord, doing it by simply trusting in you to do it. What a great, what a great thought. Lord, we just praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, listen, can I tell you the greatest problem you have in life tonight, if you never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you said, you want, it's Tuesday night. Of course we're all saved here. Hey, Sunday night we had somebody get saved. Somebody say amen. <laughs> so, so preach the gospel every time, right? The greatest problem you have in life, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, is you're a sinner on your way to the devil's hell. But there's a God in heaven that loved you so much that... He, he provided the victory for you, just like he did in our story here. And he provided the victory through Jesus Christ, his son. God, enrobed in flesh, came to this sin-cursed mud ball to do one thing, and that was to go to Calvary, to die, to shed his blood for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world. And then they took him down from that cross, they buried him, and guess what? On the third day, he got up just like he said he would. And if you would believe that message, if you would call upon his name, he'd save you right now. My Bible still says, Romans 10, 9, that if thou, that you shall, uh, thou shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Call upon his name and he'd save you this night. He would give you victory through the greatest problem you have, and that is the problem of sin. Thank God for the victory he provides, not only from that problem, but in every problem we face in life. Guess what? He's the answer every single time. All right. We can turn off live stream. We'll have a uh, time of prayer. I went a little longer, didn't I? Sorry. I didn't even pay attention to the clock. Maybe I got started late. I got started late. I didn't get here till late. There you go. All right. Time of prayer. Anybody got some, pr some, some prayer requests here? I don't have a pen, so 